Hey, welcome to Crosspoint. Uh, if you're going to be listening to this later on the week, I want you to at least know you're in the right place. Uh, this is our live stream that starts in about six minutes. Uh, we'll have folks that are joining in in the next few minutes, but wanted to go ahead and connect to you right now and let you know you're in the right place. So just hang tight and we'll uh, just visit Mill about smartly for the next five minutes or so. You like that? Okay. I'm not going to. I'm going to spare you all that this week. I see. I see. Not about smart. Oh, I'm sorry. What happened? There's a pole in the Oh, it doesn't like that. <laughs> Oh no. Okay. There's a hole in between the hands. Uh. Oh. I think you and I are good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can know what I have. That's just so often new. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Walk into it and then just sit back and look at the other I don't even think we've like shaken hands. <laughs> 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 you didn't shake hands with the last time you were on here. I don't know what you're talking about. Don't be talking about me or anybody else that's here. We're, we're talking about my fondness for physical affection. Uh, <laughs> yes. With, there's still only one person on, so. Did you do a public? Yeah. There's two. Okay, we're in we're in good we're in a good spot. It's a good sign. Oh, four minutes out? I just texted. Who'd you text? I did. I texted Greg. There's two. Okay, maybe we're in the right. Oh, yeah. Okay, good. All right, folks are starting to connect. It's hard to tell on this end if I've done this right every single week. I feel like I'm starting from scratch. So uh, folks are starting to log on. I'm glad that you're joining us this morning. We're going to start in just a few moments, but wanted to uh, first let you know you're in the right place. Um, I want to share a few brief announcements that I'll share also at the end uh, before our benediction. So stick around at the end once you stick your announcements. I trust that there's still a, um, a benediction for us. But uh, this, this afternoon, Life Group Shepherds are going to have a Zoom meeting at 4 p.m. So I want to invite our Life Group Shepherds to connect to that. I sent out an invitation earlier this week uh, that you can respond to and say, I'm in. You don't have to do that. You can just log in and at 4, 4 p.m. We'll limit that to an hour. It may be less than that, but uh, we just need to connect to our Life Groups and, and just see how folks are doing and see how we can come alongside and serve y'all and uh, just get caught up. So. It's at 4 p.m. today. At 7 p.m. tonight, we have our quarterly member meeting. So if you're a member of Crosspoint Fellowship, you're invited to join us online at 7 p.m. Uh, just to sort of catch you up on what, our, what we're working on in, in uh, dealing with reentry, some of the reentry issues that we're facing uh, and working through. We are truly creating the wheel. Uh, this is uncharted territory for everybody, but we're connecting to some good resources and we want to do what we can tonight to uh, to. Uh, catch you up on what we're working on and then also to give you some insights into this last quarter. Um, the month of April, we're praying for local businesses. So I'll invite you and encourage you to keep praying for local businesses and um, to, uh, to patronize those businesses. If you're able to, uh, to keep our restaurants and some of those places that are, are closed down are mostly closed down for um, on-site 
visits uh, that we can do some takeout, things like that. I uh, also want to invite you to invite others to join us online. Uh, there are folks in our community right now that may never step inside the doors of a church building, but this could be a wonderful time where they might be able to hear the teaching and preaching of the word. Uh, they might be able to come and taste and see that the Lord is good through an online connection. Uh, so I encourage you to invite others to listen online or if they're part of a local church to listen to their church online because chances are their church has a virtual worship each week. Uh, ladies ministry virtual coffee will be Monday morning at 10 a.m. Well, we did have that scheduled for 830, but we're going to modify that meeting to schedule it for 10. It seemed like that might be a better time for folks once the uh, kids are kind of on their way doing their thing for the morning to maybe break for a break away for a few minutes for a 10 a.m. visit together. So we're going to start in just a minute or two. Uh, it's actually 11 right now, but we're going to give it another minute or so for folks to get connected. Are you going to read the announcement? At the very end. Mad This isn't a junior man. This is a senior man. It is pretty day. Church outside. Church outside. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we all stand there and look through the window. All right, let's go ahead and get started. We'll let uh, folks will join us, I'm sure, in the next few minutes uh, as we get started. But I'd like to begin our time in prayer. Uh, we're praying for a people group this morning for the Kahar people of India. Eight million people, 0.0% of which are Christians, as far as we know. Uh, there's no uh, Protestant. Uh, evangelical Christian presence there at all as far as anyone knows. So we want to pray for this 8 million strong people group, Hindu uh, people. We want to pray also for a local church. We're praying for Jimmy Vaughn and for his family and for Authentic Life Fellowship Church. Uh, we're praying for the sick and the anxious and the struggling in this season. So join us in prayer. People. God, we are thankful for these few minutes that we have together. Well, we are thankful that we are able to connect. We are able to engage uh, the teaching and preaching of the word each week. Lord, we're thankful that we get to join you on the Mount 2000 years ago and hear from you this morning. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us, that you would um, equip us, uh, that you would gird us, um, move us, uh, give us an insight into um, how you work and how things work this morning. I pray that that will will happen for us as we gather over your word in Matthew chapter five. Well, we also want to pray for a people group this morning. We're praying for the Kahar people of India, a people of 8 million uh, people that are uh, Hindu in faith. Lord, we want to lift them up and ask you to draw them to you. Uh, as far as, um, as far as we know, as far as we can see, there are no Christian, um, there are no believers in the country. And Lord, we want to ask you to, to draw this people, to send workers to the far corners, to burden people here uh, with the discomfort of staying uh, so that they will go and sow good seed of the kingdom to the far corners of the field. And uh, we pray for this people group and ask you to draw them for your glory and for your namesake. We pray also for Jimmy Vaughn this morning. Uh, thankful for uh, a friendship now that has uh, he and I have gotten to know each other a little bit. Thankful for the man that he is, uh, for his story, for his burden for people and burden for the kingdom and burden for a community and thankful that he is involved in so many different things uh, that he uh, is uh, seems to be is clearly fueled by the wonder of the gospel and I'm just thankful for uh, the chance to get to know him and serve alongside him. Lord, I want to lift up Jimmy and his, his wife and his family, Lord. I pray that you would bless his family, that he would be fueled by and uh, guided by uh, the, go the gospel as he's serving his church and his community. Lord, we pray that he would be sustained by the gospel uh, in those seasons of um, desert um, uh, or spring, that he would be in both cases drawing on Christ. And 
uh, just lift him up this morning. Ask you to bless uh, Authentic Life Fellowship in this season. And I pray that they are enjoying you uh, as they gather online uh, and as they're able to gather maybe in small groups or as uh, Zoom meetings or whatever ways that they are connected. Lord, we ask that you would bless those connections, uh, that you would bless Authentic Life Fellowship and grow them in this, this uh, unusual season in a way that would clearly give you the glory. Lord, we also want to pray for those who are anxious and sick and uh, struggling and fearful in this season, uh, just for the uh, the strange dynamics of uh, being disconnected from one another, um, the uh, strange uh, situation, not being able to to really embrace one another. Even what a what an unusual time we are uh, recognizing that it has a, a different effect on all of us, uh, and in most cases is not great because I think we're we are all recognizing we're made for one another. We're made for community, we're made for gathering, we're made for a community uh, engaging one another, being part of each other's lives in meaningful ways. And this has had a tremendous uh, effect on that. Lord, we pray that, that you would sustain us in this season, that you would give us light at the end of the tunnel when this ends. Pray that we would have wisdom about walking it out, uh, that all of us would, would have a, a teachable humility, um, a like-mindedness that can only come from you as we chart this course, this course forward and in reestablishing our, our walk with each other incarnate. I pray for our community and our world and our country, Lord, that just the, the tremendous toll that this has taken on so many different things. For those families who are grieving loss, for the many people who have uh, who've passed away through this, this virus, Lord, and, and those who are fighting for their lives, even maybe right now on the the many um, nurse, nursing professionals and, and health and medical professionals, doctors that are, are putting themselves out there every single day, Lord, we pray that you would sustain them. Lord, we pray that you would get glory through this season somehow, that we would look back and see that you moved, see that you actually drew a people, sustained a people, refined a people, that you showed us together what uh, matters. Um, Lord, we pray that you would use this season for your glory. Use these next few minutes for your glory and grow us and draw us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Yeah. And is, this, is the website the same? Some people can't get on. They're asking how many people are um, Yeah, there are quite a few people that aren't on. The link should be the same. I'm going to send out, let me think. I'm hearing from folks that there are some folks that are having a hard time getting on. Um, and our new, we have a new website that should have a link to the live feed. Um, maybe if there's some, the it's not on the website. The link is on Tracy Fields Facebook page. The link is on Tracy Fields Facebook page. Yeah, but if you're here, you you would already you wouldn't need to know that. So, <laughs> wow, it's not on. We have a new website, so that's okay. part of our snag. Our new website may not have the link to the live feed that it normally has. Um, okay, how do we get that out? So I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to, to send out a, a YouTube okay. link. We gotta get a bunch of text. Oh. oh, keep going. Keep going. Keep going. It's recording. Okay, I know, but I'm trying to get connected, everybody out there. How do we get connected to everybody? And I'm trying to send this out. There's okay. a link that I can send out here. Okay. But I'm not sure how to send it okay. out. Okay. Okay. All right. Thanks, Erin. All right. She sent a text to YouTube link. But keep going. Okay. I've got the YouTube link. Y'all just hang tight just for a moment here. This is something easily remedied. Um. Yeah, it's, it's YouTube. Live on YouTube. Keep going. Hey, y'all hang tight just for a moment. We're trying to uh, work through a little technical issue here. And I'm going to send this link out to the entire church right now. So check your email. Well, if you're not doing this, mm -hmm. then you, you wouldn't know to check your email. So I don't I don't know what else to do other than to to send this out.
Or you can just go to YouTube and type in Crosspoint Fellowship. Um, okay, we got to get back to the um, thing, if I can find it now. Okay, really sorry about that. That's um, just a little snag we've got to work through. We've migrated to a new website that apparently doesn't have the, um, the link that we need to get you online. So hopefully uh, for folks that were not able to log in this morning, uh, we'll connect you to this resource later on today because it is still recording. You'll just have that weird, you know, three minutes or so, four minutes. It felt like an hour where we're trying to figure out the technical difficulty. So uh, just uh, press on and maybe fast forward a minute or two. We're in Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. So I invite you to stand for the reading of God's word this morning. You, therefore, must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Let's pray. God, we pray that you would speak to us through these uh, these few words in this potent passage. Speak to us and show us what this means to be perfected. Pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Y'all can have a seat. Okay, I need to begin with a confession. <clears throat> I didn't uh, share this confession in advance with Christy or anybody else. Uh, really, I've kind of uh, really been thinking on this and thinking about whether or not I want to share this confession. Oh, right. Uh, but I really feel like I should. I have to confess that I actually watched a season of The Bachelor. What? Yes, I did. I did. Of course, Christy knows that. They're just trying to get some audible feedback here. She knows that. Uh, it wasn't recent. In fact, it was some years ago when a guy named Andrew Firestone was the main guy. He was The Bachelor. Uh, I had to look back because I didn't even know when that was, but it was apparently season three. I watched, I think, almost the entire season. I may have watched the entire season, but I know that I, I didn't continue watching The Bachelor, if I, if at all beyond that, or if, if beyond that, barely at all, uh, because I was really frustrated with this, this, this promise from the main guy, the host, uh, that this would be, this coming rose ceremony would be the most dramatic rose ceremony yet. And every single one, he kept saying that. And I just, the, the promises weren't were, were being fulfilled, so I stopped watching it. So that's my confession. I just needed to kind of get that out of the way before we moved into our sermon this morning. And I may or may not come back to um, the, uh, the this, this uh, bachelor confession later on in the sermon. We'll have just, just have to see. So let's climb into our passage. You, therefore, must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Let's start with who's you. Who's you on this mountain 2,000 years ago? We need to climb into that story, into that place, in that context. Jesus is preaching the Sermon on the Mount somewhere in Galilee on the hillside, and probably thousands of common Galileans are gathered. We know for sure there's at least 12 ordinary guys there. Uh, probably a crowd is gathering, and when he preached itinerantly, uh, there's this sense that as he's fed uh, the loaves and fishes to the multitudes, that when he taught and preached, that the the crowds gathered. In this context, in this story, there were, we could imagine maybe a few thousand common Galileans and 12 ordinary guys gathered. They wore different clothes, of course. They spoke a different language than we speak, of course. But they too had problems. They had difficulties. They had regular old issues, much like ours. They had jobs. Many of them built their own business and it was passed on from one family member to the next. It was populated and employed by the family. Uh, many of them had to pay bills. Many of them had to tend to things around the house. Many had to, them had to deal with issues that involved relationship matters mm -hmm. and strain and conflict. These were regular folks with regular lives. I want to start right there this morning. And like us, something led them to that hillside that day. Something in their lives was lacking. And that led them, compelled them to go seek Jesus and to hear his preaching that day a couple thousand years ago. It's the same thing, I think, that was lacking in them that led us to seek 
Jesus as well. Something lacking. They gave time and space and energy to finding answers to something lacking. Now, something that's interesting about this, this word, just you therefore must, and the, the you in the original language is actually said twice. The word must is not there in the original language. In the original language, in the Greek, it would actually be translated, you therefore you. And that's why they use must, because it's, it's, a, it's an emphatic use of you. You therefore, as in you. I'm speaking to you guys, you ordinary people populating this hillside 2,000 years ago. You ordinary 12 that have uh, decided to follow me. You ordinary people today who are listening and connecting to this sermon online in this virtual space. You common folk must be perfect. Let that hit you. You must be perfect. I think there's something important about that emphatic you and that connection there is the thought and the realization. We're not talking about something hypothetical here. We're not talking about something that's just going to take place in a sterile lab with people that aren't real, like some sort of robots or something or some sort of a, a, a situation that's not actual. We're talking about real people with real lives and they are being told by Jesus to be perfect. This is not hypothetical. It's not like, this might bother some of our L3 guys. It's not like calculus. It's not like that class that you just had to take where you're like, man, when am I ever going to use this again? The guys at L3 and maybe a handful of others actually still use that stuff. But the rest of us, we never touch it ever and again, ever again. And we wonder all the while, why did we spend all our time and effort and energy? That's not what this is like. This is for real people with real lives, doing real things with real lack, leading them to stand on this hillside, hearing Jesus preach in this day, 2000 years ago. It's not a Petri dish. This is real ground, real earth with real people. You people, you common folk, you, yes, you be perfect. All right, now let's spend a moment just considering this phrase, be perfect. It is a shocking statement, a shocking command. It should really leave us shocked. It's actually a lot like another shocking statement just a few verses earlier. If you're in Matthew, look back at Matthew chapter 20, or excuse me, chapter 5, verse 20, earlier in the Sermon on the Mount. Another shocking, and let's call it a bookend. Imagine this passage we're looking at today as a shocking bookend, verse 48. There's another shocking bookend in verse 20. He tells these common folk who have joined him on this hillside this day, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the religious Olympians, unless you can outleap them, outrun them, outlast them, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. It is a shocking statement. And it likely would have left the crowd looking around at each other. Did he just say that? Did he just say also the other bookend that we're supposed to be perfect? Two really shocking bookends that have a whole middle section of books that help you make sense of it. This whole middle section between the bookends are six examples of real life occasions for exceeding righteousness that's greater than that of the scribes and Pharisees, real life situations, six of them, to be perfect. If you were with us this last week, we just considered the last example. If you were with us before our Lent series, uh, it may even been, yes, we actually had some sermons before the Lent series, after Advent, between Advent and Lent. We were considering some more of those six examples. Here they are. Anger with a brother was the first case. Six examples of real life occasions to be perfect with exceeding righteousness. Anger with a bro brother. Okay, we're not talking about some ancient issue. We're talking about current events, right? We're talking about situations that are as common as mankind. Anger with a brother. 
The second real life example was lust for a man or a woman or men or women. Okay, we're not talking fake news. That's real life stuff. It was real life 2000 years ago. It's real life now. And there are people that are listening to this right now that know exactly what I'm talking about. It's eating your lunch, lust or adultery or pornography. This is real stuff, not fake news. Real people on a real hillside, on a real virtual environment this morning. The next thing he talked about was marital conflict. Started in Genesis 3. Uh, God, I think it's actually your fault for giving me this woman. And I think it's her fault. She's the one that led us into this sin. Marital conflict started in Genesis 3. And man, I'm telling you, it hadn't stopped. It's relentless. If you're married, you know exactly what I'm talking about. A handful of you, a rare few of you that don't have any struggles at all. I don't know where you're from, some other planet. You might be robots. But the rest of us with real flesh, real lives, real passions, real pride, real sin. Man, marital conflict is not fake news. It's not old news. It's real life and it's current. The next example he used was getting even or actually promises and commitments. Promises, commitments, that's not an ancient issue. We still make promises, commitments, and we'll, we still make promises and commitments that we often look for ways out of. That's real life stuff on this hillside. 2000 years ago, real life stuff today. The next one was getting even. Man, that's not an ancient issue. That's very current and very relevant. And the last one is hatred for enemies. Man, that's, that's an easy one. We know that's fall out of bed easy. Like the kids, that the first word that, that they say is mine. You don't have to teach a little kid to say mine. That's the, oftentimes the first word that they say after mommy or daddy. We don't have to teach people to hate their enemies. It comes very natural. It comes very easy. This is current news 2,000 years ago. It's current news today. We're talking about real life with real people and these shocking bookends. Your righteousness must exceed that of the scribes and Pharisees the Olympians, and then also you must be perfect. Now, something that's interesting that he didn't say. He didn't say you must be holy. If you would turn to Leviticus chapter 19, I want to show you something really briefly. It's interesting. Um, it's more than interesting. I think it kind of makes sense of uh, his strategic decision to use the word perfect instead of holy. Leviticus chapter 19 is the same passage that he referenced when he said, love your neighbor. You've heard it said, we considered this last week in dealing with your enemies. You've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemies. This is the passage that he was referencing in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. It says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, I'm the Lord. In the same chapter, it's interesting that he uses the same chapter, or he seems to, in referencing a passage that sounds very similar to be perfect, to, to this command, to be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Look at verse 2 in Leviticus 19. Speak to all the congregation of the people of Israel and say to them, you shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Man, do you hear the metric sound of both of those commands. Be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. You shall be holy for I, the Lord, your God am holy. This hints back at this passage, yet it's not the word that he used. See, the word holiness apparently carries significant baggage on that mountain 2000 years ago today. I'm not sure that it doesn't carry some baggage today. The word holiness carries significant Baggage. It had been strangled to address, it seems at least functionally, only the outside of the worshiper and not the heart. Only the outside, the externals, the veneer, and not the inside and the heart. This is an ages old problem for Israel, where there's a disconnect between the heart and the hand or the heart and the lips there. This problem has been as old as the nation of Israel. Hosea chapter six, verse six says, for I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. Here are a few other examples. Isaiah 
These are passages that are speaking about the time leading up to the exile, to the uh, to the exiles, uh, both the northern, the Assyrian, and the Babylonian exiles. These passages are speaking to the condition of a people. Listen to what Isaiah says about a people in Isaiah chapter one, verse twelve. Listen to what he says about this people. When you come to appear before me, who has required of you this trampling of my courts? Bring no more vain offerings. They're showing up with their offerings. They're showing up with their stuff. They're showing up to church. Let's just connect it. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath and the calling of convocations. I cannot endure iniquity and solemn assembly. Your new moons and your appointed feasts, my soul hates they have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands, like you're worshiping, I mean, you got, you got the, I, I forgot all the different ways that you hold your hands during worship. There's a comedian that's done all these ways. Just imagine these guys holding out their hands in worship. When you spread out your hands in worship, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless. Plead the widow's cause. That is a telling telling passage, telling window into the condition of this people. I'll tell you something else is that interesting. This is probably what these folks would have done with this passage is the thought that they're going to wash their hands where he says in verse 16, wash yourselves and make yourselves clean. So they're going to focus on the, the ritual uh, uh, purity traditions of hand washing. And meanwhile, they're going to miss mercy in this case for the widow and the fatherless. Man, these guys were focusing on all the wrong things. He says, I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice. Another little window in Isaiah chapter 29, a little glimpse that actually Jesus will refer to here in a moment. He says, this people draw near with their mouth and honor me with their lips while their hearts are far from me. And their fear of me is a commandment taught by men. Their hearts are far from me. Man, they honor me with their lips, but there's this disconnect. There's a word I want to introduce to you this morning. It might be a word you're familiar with. It's not, it's not rocket surgery. It's the word incongruity. There's an incongruity between the heart and the hand and the heart and the lips and the heart and the actions. And there's some things going on here that don't, resonate that don't match. Jesus connected to those in Matthew chapter nine, verse 13. If you're over in Matthew, if you're just a few chapters over, go ahead and look at these. Just three little snapshots, brief snapshots. Matthew chapter nine, verse 13. He speaks to these specific issues where here he's being scolded for hanging out with sinners and tax collectors. And here he says in verse 12, he says, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came to call the righteous, or to, to not came, came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Man, there's something sweet about sinners and mercy. Sinners not only appreciate it and receive it, sinners are actually going to dole it out to one another in heaps. And that's who he came for, the sick, the sinners. And that's who he gave mercy to. He says, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Here's the next example in Matthew chapter 12, verse 7, just over a couple pages. In this case, they're actually gleaning. They're walking through a field, gathering up grain to eat, plucking heads of grain, it says. And then in Matthew chapter 7, he says, if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guilty. Here they are just eat, eating on the Sabbath. 
just grabbing food as they walk through the field, right off the stalks, plucking grains of wheat, being scolded. He says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. There is an incongruity theme among this people. A few pages later in Matthew chapter 15, he sums it up. Matthew chapter 15, verse 7. He says, you hypocrites. Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, this passage we just read, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Israel was in the past with those prophetic uh, statements about the condition of Israel and Hosea and Isaiah, and, and Isaiah. And at the current time, during the ministry of Christ, at the time of the Sermon on the Mount, they were washing hands. They were avoiding the unclean. They were abiding by the rules and they're even making up all kind of new rules to follow while ignoring the matters of the heart. And that's what Jesus is speaking to. In the Sermon on the Mount, in those bookends, and those shocking statements in those bookends, and the books in between on the shelf. These people have a problem of dealing with the externals. They have a problem of being satisfied with dealing with the veneer, addressing the incongruity in the bookshelf, is what Jesus is doing in the Sermon on the Mount. He's addressing those incongruities. See, it's possible to refrain from murder and yet still seethe with hatred. Holy on the outside. That word had pharisaical baggage. That's the word he didn't use. He didn't say you shall be holy in this passage. He said you shall be perfect. Because man, they had appropriated holiness in a way that wasn't true. It wasn't full. It was strangled. It's possible to refrain from murder and yet hate. It's possible to refrain from adultery and yet lust. It's possible to write a certificate of divorce and put the check in that little block, mission accomplished, and then dispense with your wife, another human being, like it's a load that you drop off at Goodwill and you drive away thinking, man, I'm glad I got that out of the garage. Man. They missed dealing with the matters of the heart. See, it's possible to make promises and commitments and yet build in the outs that you can take when they get hard to follow through on. It's possible also to call for an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth and miss mercy altogether. We're not talking about an ancient problem, people. We're not even talking about something that's just Israelites. I hope we can all connect to this. We're talking about a human problem. And we are prone to missing mercy and crying for justice. It's possible to hate your enemy and to miss God's relentless and sacrificial love for his enemies. Man, I wish we were together where somebody could say, Amen. Gracious sakes alive. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> Goodness. It's possible to have nice, clean, freshly painted outsides of our tombs and be dead on the inside. Dead and dark and empty. You don't have to be an ancient Pharisee to see the attraction to tending only to the externals. I hope every single person that's listening in and with me today can appreciate that. You don't have to be a Pharisee to appreciate how nice it is to just deal with the externals. Because see, we can smile at one another and we can glad hand one another and inside we can burn. And nobody's, and, and, and no, none the wiser. They're none the wiser. But he didn't say holy. He said, you, Yes, you be perfect. 
I think it's strategic that he used that word instead of holy. Effectively, like he had been dealing with the books in the middle of the bookshelf, it would be like him saying, you have heard it said, be holy, but I say, be perfect. He's bringing out the full meaning, the, the full meaning of what holiness meant in the very first place. I say, you shall be perfect. Couple of windows into this word. Hopefully by this point, you're like, okay, just tell us what it means. Surely you're not expecting perfection of a bunch of common people on a hillside or a bunch of common people listening today. I'll tell you what it means. A couple of windows. There's one in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 13. You can jot this down. The passage says, you shall be blameless. The Hebrew word there is tamim. You shall be blameless before the Lord your God. That Hebrew word means perfect, unblemished, and complete. Now, the reason that word gives us a window into this Greek word that we're considering today is the Greek Old Testament uses that particular Greek word in place of that Hebrew word to mean. There's a connection there. In some ways, we're interpreting Hebrew with Greek and Greek with Hebrew. It's a beautiful window into the meaning of what Jesus is saying on this mount this day. He's saying, you must be unblemished. You must be blameless. You must be, and here's the big one, complete. You must be, yes, you must be complete. Now, the Greek word, the Greek word is the word teleos, teleos, depending on how you're going to read it in the original language. It means having attained the end or aim for which it was designed that's what the word perfect means. Having attained the end or the aim for which it was designed. Here's an example of something that I could think of, something that I often think of. Uh, there's this um, pie. This pie is called Mountain High Apple Pie. It may be one of, it's probably my favorite dessert. Right behind it is a chocolate chip cake that, that we make for special events. But the Mountain High Apple Pie, now that, is perfect. Christy makes it, and I'm telling you, it is the most amazing thing I've ever eaten. She makes it with green apples, which aren't my favorite, but somehow they just work in this pie. This pie is so tall that you have to actually unhinge your jaw like a snake to actually eat it. It's that mountain high. And it's not just tall, it's delicious. It looks good and it delivers. It is perfect. It is fulfilling the design for which the aim for which it was designed in both form and function. This mountain high apple pie that we make occasionally that we need to make soon, considering what we're talking about today, is perfect. Perfect. So just consider this. What Jesus is saying to this mountainside, this hillside of common folk who are there because they're lacking something. He's saying to these folk who are lacking something, be complete. He's saying to them, attain the end for which you were designed. Be the apple pie that I have made you to be. That's a, I, I know the dumbest illustration, <laughs> but you won't forget it. Be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Turn to Matthew chapter 19. I told you I, I might mention Andrew Firestone later on in the morning. I think I will. This is the place where I want to reintroduce Andrew Firestone. I just want to sort of borrow the guy. I don't know anything about him, anything about his soul. I don't, I don't keep up with him. He just is a nice illustration of a guy that we see here in Matthew chapter 19 as an ancient version of Andrew Firestone. Okay, so let's look at that. This beautifully illustrates what we're talking about. Matthew chapter 19, verse 16. And behold, a man came up to him saying, teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Okay, I want you to just kind of think of that as a little bookend. And he said to him, why do you ask me about what is good? There's only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. He said to him, well, which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. 
but you could almost hear him say in front of each of those, you have heard it said, you have heard it said, you shall not murder. You have heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. And the young, young man said to him, all these I have kept. What do I still lack? What do I still lack? And Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, there it is. If you would be perfect, go and sell what you possess and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. I want you to notice the bookends there, the call to perfection with this commentary about this question about eternal life. It's very similar to the bookends that we consider. Your, your righteousness must exceed that of the scribes and Pharisees if you are going to inherit the kingdom. It's, that's, those are synonyms for eternal life. Okay, that's a nice little bookend. And then the books on the shelf, they're, they're all there. He's dealing with the same things you've heard it said. And then he calls him to perfection. This is a beautiful illustration of this passage that we're considering today. And this guy, this young, ancient version of Andrew Firestone, we'll call him. We'll just call him Andrew with an imaginary Jewish last name. He's rich. He's got covenantal blessings. And that's what left them so shocked when he dealt with it, the difficulty of a rich man entering the kingdom of heaven. Because they're like, if he's not in, who's in? Because he's a shoe in. Because he's clearly swimming in covenantal blessings. He's heaven bound, of course. What in the world are you talking about, Jesus? This guy was rich with covenantal blessings. Firestone tire rich. He's a shoe in for eternal life. He's earnest. He's seeking some answers. I mean, you got to like a guy like that, right? He's coming to Jesus. He's got all this money. He's got all this stuff. He doesn't appear, appear to have any physical needs. Yet he's coming to Jesus and he's looking for some answers. He's like the folks who were on that hillside 2,000 years ago that left their jobs to go hear Jesus preach. He's like folks that are tuning in this morning and that will listen to this later on in the day. They gather of it with us corporately when we gather seeking Christ seeking something. He's earnest. He's not a murderer. Man, that's good. He's not a slanderer. He doesn't badmouth people or talk about people. He's not a thief. He even honors his father and mother. And oh, just to top it all off, he loves his neighbor. Man, just envision this nice block sitting right next to this guy, this imaginary block floating around in the air. And Jesus says, check, big check in the block for the externals. This guy looks smashing on the outside. This guy looks amazing. You've got all the, you have heard it said, down, young Andrew, man, you are really quite a catch. I mean, he is really something else, but something was lacking. He said so himself. It's really a pretty shocking statement. Jesus tells him all the things he must do in verses 18 and 19. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And the young man, he didn't say, oh, okay, I do all those things. Cool. He says, I do all those things. What do I still lack? This guy himself recognized he's missing something. He had it all, the world would say, and even ancient Jews would say, he had it all. And Jesus answered to him, he says, Andrew, if you would be perfect, if you would be whole, if you would be complete, if you would attain the aim or end for which you were designed, you must surrender that covenant of blessing for this covenant of blessing. And that covenant of blessing is me. You must surrender that and grab hold of me.
you know, the tragedy of the story for this young man was when the passage says, says, when the young man heard this, he went away. It says more. It says he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. We, I could kind of focus on the sorrowful for he had great possessions, but just consider just those simple words. When he heard this, he went away. He walked away from the answer to what he liked. He walked away from the person that would fill that and make him whole. He walked away from the point of his searching, the plot behind his riches and his search that day. See, God uses these circumstances, all of us. They're different for all of us. These six examples that he gave, gave in, the, in the, the, the Sermon on the Mount, the example that he uses here with this young man, he's surgical. He gives us occasions and circumstances, marital conflict, anger, lust, all the things, money in this case, to lead us where we're experiencing lack, to lead us to draw on him. These are terrible and painful escorts to the greatness and the sufficiency and the wonder and the glory of Christ. They're not obstacles to worship. They're escorts to real worship. The faith response for this man in this moment, just kind of drafting a faith, what, what I think would look like a faith response. I don't think it would have been rushing off and selling all this stuff. I think the faith response that seems in keeping with the rest of the Bible, the rest of the gospel, the, re the rest of the New Testament with real lives walking out the gospel would have been something like this. Oh, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Lord, I'm rich. Help my riches. Help my bank account. Help my heart. Lord, I know that I love that stuff. I know that I hold that stuff dearly and I don't want to. So I'm not leaving you. I'm sticking with you. You're where transformation takes place. You're who brings it. You're the one. You're the carrot, so I'm sticking right here. And I'm confessing, I still love my stuff. Help me, please. Help my unbelief. Man, I want y'all to know this isn't calculus. This isn't a Petri dish. This isn't an academic venture that we're on. It never has been and it never will be. This is real life stuff in real circumstances, in real situations that are excruciating. Man, I'm going to tell you right now, <clears throat> you think I like loving my enemies and praying for them? I was taught to locate, close with, and destroy the enemy by fire maneuver. <laughs> and then uh, when I grew up, I joined the Marine Corps. <laughs> My mom's going to kill me for saying that. Man, now I come by that natural. I come by that natural. I want to eat people's lunch. But man, I'll tell you what I find... In that strong craving for justice, in that strong desire to defend an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, I find in Christ, I find a messenger of an impossible command, but I also find the means to walk it out. I find the messenger of an impossible command, but I find in him the means to walk it out. In him I find the herald and also the hope. In him I find the preacher and also the point of 
all of this. He is himself the prize. Real life stuff, real life lacks are just painful tears in the greatness and the sufficiency of Christ. He is to be the desire of our hearts and our portion forever. Let's pray. Lord, bind our wandering hearts to you. Lord, show us in the regular um, stuff that we all deal with, the reg regular difficulties of anger, lust, marital conflict, or promises made and promises um, not met, of enemies or conflict, Lord, in these struggles, in all of them, teach us to find in Christ our portion. Teach us to draw on him and hold us fast. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Uh, we're in, in Matthew chapter 26 for our supper, just a few pages over if you'd like to join me. I'll give you a moment to go ahead and get your supper sorted. Then you want to grab our supper course. Matthew chapter 26, verses 26 through 28. Now, as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, thank you, broke it and gave it to the disciples. And said, take and eat. This is my body. And he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink of it, all of you. Jesus says in this supper, this is a delicious looking piece of bread, by the way. Wow. Um, Jesus says in the supper, he says, I'm the point. I'm the point. Thank you, buddy. I'm the prize. I'm the portion. This is my body. Let's take and eat in faith. Let's take and drink in faith. Drink of it, all of you. Let's pray. God, we are thankful that Weekly, we have the opportunity to enjoy Christ as our portion. Pray that what we know, what we hear, what we read about, what we talk about will find its way inside and work its way out, will transform us. Lord, we want to be perfect as you are perfect. We want a righteousness that exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees as we hold fast to Christ. And he transforms us to look and move like him. Or more than that, as he draws us into deeper and sweeter fellowship with him. You are our treasure. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for joining us this morning. We have a benediction here in a moment. Let me just share a couple of brief announcements with you. Uh, we have a, a Life Group Shepherd Zoom meeting this afternoon at 4 p.m. I'll send out a reminder uh, to those Life Group Shepherds with that link. Uh, I ask you to please join in with us if you're a Life Group Shepherd so we can just kind of spend some time getting caught up on how your Life Groups are doing and how we may come alongside you and serve you. Also tonight, we have our quarterly member meeting at 7 p.m. I'll send out a link this afternoon for that as well. Also, I'll send out a quarterly um, member meeting update. Erin uh, Adele worked on that this week for us and she had it ready. Um, before now, but I thought just timely, time-wise, uh, that I'd like to put that in your hands this afternoon uh, via an email to where you can spend some time looking that over. Now, tonight at our Zoom meeting, it's going to be all the membership. So I'm going to mute us uh, from the very beginning, other than the person speaking. Uh, you'll, uh, I think I sent out a, uh, I did, I sent out an agenda earlier this week. So if you'd like to see that agenda and, see, and you'll just know who who's speaking what in what order. But if you have questions, please just hold them for the Zoom meeting. Just, just don't, don't try and bring them into the Zoom meeting. I, this, I don't even know what to expect of a Zoom meeting with this many people. But please know that if you have questions or concerns, please uh, know that you can field those. You can send those to elders across fellowship.us and we will do the best that we can to get back to you as soon as possible with answers. 
I uh, want to uh, remind you that April, um, for the rest of April, we're praying for local businesses. Of course, we can continue to do that, but I want to invite you to do that, especially as we finish out the days of April. I want to encourage you to invite others to join us online. Man, this is a sweet space that we enjoy together every single week. And I, I, I just, I pine for others to taste and see that the Lord is good. If they're part of another church and they're engaging their church and, and joining them online, then cheer for them. If they're not part of a church, many of folks that we live with or live by and, do, and work with profess Christ, but they don't walk with the people. I don't know how that's even possible. So encourage them to taste and see that the Lord is good by joining us online. Uh, the ladies ministry virtual coffee has been, been moved and will be moved officially. This is the notice from 830 tomorrow morning to 10 a.m. It seemed like a better time sort of mid morning to enjoy that at 10 a.m. So if you would, go ahead and stand and we'll receive together our benediction from Colossians, Colossians chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Amen. Y'all have a wonderful week. God bless y'all.